Welcome to the Ross LN Luke Show. G'day, my name is Ross Pepper. My early years were rough. I was suicidal, drug addict and alcoholic. Then one day, about 15 years ago, I discovered personal development and everything changed. It completely transformed my life. I lived a life as if everything in life was kind of done to us. But then I discovered that we're actually the creator of our lives and I've been creating my life ever since. I'm now a loving father and husband, a life coach, a business coach, relationship coach, team and leadership coach, performance coach, author, public speaker, and so much more. None of which were even remotely possible before I discovered personal development. I learned to let go of my past, my false limiting beliefs, such as not being good enough, not being lovable. I let go of all my fears of failure and rejection. I discovered it was possible for me to create happiness regardless of the circumstance I found myself in. I went from being an introvert to an extrovert. And in that journey, I discovered every single person on the planet is infinitely more powerful and capable than they can even imagine. So now I make it my life's purpose to help other people discover their greatness and live the life of their dreams. G'day, my name is Alistair MacDonald, and in my nearly five decades of life, I have experienced and achieved many things. And last 20 or so years has been very focused on business, and there's been many failures, many successes. Most successful business, uh, nearly 50 million turnover, a couple hundred staff, um, was one of the founding members, was one of the, uh, was one of the board members when we merged to grow. So I really have experienced a lot of scaling in business, uh, among other things. These days I'm focused as a business mentor and coach, and I love, I really love spending time inside other people's businesses and seeing them achieve their goals and see their lives go where they want them to go. Hey guys, Luke Farrah here. Ross has wanted me to explain a little bit about myself. Well, where do I start? I'm a father, business owner, investor, fitness, health, and holistic kind of guru. I enjoy life. I'm a great problem solver. Uh, I enjoy laugh too and the journey along the way. So uh, what you see is what you get. Pretty intense sort of guy, but also I like to make others laugh. So probably comedy is where I'm going to go. If you want to reach out, please don't call Ross or Al, specifically Al, Sunday 3am. If you need an alternative email or a phone number, just message me. Cheers. We're Aussie blokes, we're dads, and we're entrepreneurs. Between us, we've made a lot of mistakes and learned a few things about life, love, relationships, and business. And we're here to share those with you. You may get three different perspectives, or you may get one universal agreement. But whatever you take away from today, you can be absolutely guaranteed we enjoyed delivering it to you. Hello and welcome to episode number 66. All the tricks. 66 all the tricks, is that what it is? I don't, I don't know. do bingo. I've never been a bingo caller, but that, that fit. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can you can tell by uh, by my croaky voice that um, <clears throat> we do record these sometimes one after the other. Oh, <laughs> is that the cat out of the bag? Yeah. But I, I think it was a bit hard to hide. I still want to know whether the uh, intro is live or not. Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Uh, yeah. I almost actually put something in about my croaky voice in the last one so that we could, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it will be canned today. 
Um, you don't need to hear extra extra croak from me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, on our last episode, we just at the end there, we, we touched on a, a concept of, um, you asked the question about how we do, I guess, our life when we're at school, how we do school and, and, and life that way. Is that how we do it as an adult? And uh, I responded, I believe, yes, uh, to that. Now, one of the one of the sayings that I have is how we do anything is how we do everything. So when we have a way of doing something, we do that everywhere. A lot of people are very quick to say, "Oh no, no, that's not the truth." But if we dig deep enough, in my experience, that has been the case. You know, it might be, "Oh no, I, I I'll do my homework over there, but I don't do it over here." Sure, but there's something else going on. So it's not about the homework; it's about something else that you're doing that's consistent or inconsistent. Um, maybe it's you know where where you don't care you don't do anything and where you do care you do everything it could be that could be the way you do things uh, but whatever it is I know there's a pattern that you're running uh, and the reason I and, and and even if I didn't kind of have that sort of awareness I know that everything we do is a pattern and by the fact that it is a pattern means that it's what we do everywhere well and I think it was interesting when you said when you care you do everything and mm. that's still bullshit I'm not saying what you said is bullshit mm. I'm just saying people who say that are still bullshitting themselves because they they care more so they do more they still don't do everything mm-hmm. and a classic and I've noticed this in myself and in other people parenting is a classic example mm. where yeah we step up by and large we step up absolutely mm. do we do it with joy how many times do you hear parents laughing about the stuff they deal with their kids yeah yeah it happens but there's a lot of whinging Mm. that ain't doing it yeah. because it's important differently to everything else you know yeah yeah it's it, it's interesting as I you know as I do my parent journey uh, I learn a lot more about you know, what does a kid actually need um, you know I have these these kind of visions about what I believe they might need but it's not necessarily the case you know I've, I've uh, I'm really clear to tell my kids that I that I love them and I give them lots of hugs and, and those sort of things but it occurred to me on one occasion that one of my sons, for whatever reason, I got this feeling that he didn't know that I loved him. And so I asked him, I said, you know that I love you? And he goes, no. And that was heartbreaking. You know, to have a, you know, like a, I, he might have been five at the time, to have a, my five-year-old son say to me that he didn't know that I loved him. I'm like, how could you not know that? Um, he believed, you know, there were things, and I asked them both. I said, do you, um, do you the question of you know do you think I love you or your brother more and both of them said my brother so not themselves both of them said the other one and I said that's interesting and I asked them why and they said you know their reasons why and one of them was oh you give your, my, my brother more hugs I said I will give any of you either of you as many hugs as you want you literally just like more, less hugs so you come for less hugs I give you less hugs you don't need them you're not as long etc uh, but their perception of the world was was really fascinating, uh, and and one thing I've discovered is that, and this goes with adults too, because I discovered this um, with a relationship in my family, and what I noticed was, all you just needed to do if something's not working, is just love that person more. If something's not working, you just need to love that person more, because we come from a world of right and wrong where everything is either, yes, that's right, or no, that's wrong. You know, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. But nothing's right, nothing's wrong. 
that that whole concept is is broken but it's from the day we're born we're drilled with it we go to school we're drilled with it you know you write something and you get the answer wrong you get a big cross through it and and you're measured on right and wrong in school that's you know the first 18 years of your life you're measured on right and wrong that's the only thing it's your experience of life and yet right and wrong is so subjective in 95 percent of stuff that happens in the world and all our communication um and most of the things we do like even if we and i know we've spoken about this before like doing something like committing a crime if we commit a crime that's seen as wrong but what happened to for us to become in a position where we did that thing you know if, if you're going to be pointing the finger at something point the finger at whatever happened to cause that situation you know fix don't fix the um the symptom you know put the band-aid on it it's just like the drugs that we take i went to see the doctor recently and uh, I said, oh, I was subscribed um, uh, aspirin. Um, and I said, oh, but I didn't know. He, he said he was still taking it. I said, no, I didn't know how long I had to take it for. So, you know, so maybe I take it every couple of days or something rather than every day. Um, he goes, oh, no, no, you need to take it for the rest of your life. I like, I actually just laughed. My first natural response was to laugh at that. And, uh, and I'm 45 years old. I'm not about to take a drug for the rest of my life like that. Now I'm going to find out what the problem is and I'm going to deal with that so I don't have to take a drug. Like it's only going to get worse from here. If I don't deal with the problem and I just put this, have a, a tablet to deal with the symptom, the problem's getting worse. It's not getting better. Yeah, but that's, then you just get another tablet. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I'm getting sicker and sicker and the tablets get worse and worse and the side yeah. effects become worse and worse. Yeah. And um, it, you, just the, it gets to a point where you have tablets to counteract the effects of tablets. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I'm like, this is this is just madness. It is. Madness. How can you be saying to a forty-five-year-old that he needs to take aspirin for the rest of his life? Like that's that's the that's the medical advice I got. Well, it's, um, e- it's more economically viable than curing the disease. Maybe for them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I'm like you know what this is you know, this is ridiculous. I'm you know uh, clearly I need to do my own research and find out what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, but that's how we are in life about so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the heart of a human being, they just need more love. You know, you, you, can, you can deal with the symptoms. I can teach people, um, you know, better techniques for, for communication and things like that. But ultimately, you just need to love people more has been my experience. So there's a lot that's come up in all that for me. So if we go back to the original concept of school, our response to school sets us up for how we all respond to life. Hmm. I guess I go further and say school is designed to set us up mm-hmm. for how we are expected to respond in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it was the communication about that, about the system that we're in. Like the system yeah. is literally designed to make workers. Right. And, it, and, and you know, I, I'm not wanting to be irresponsible and uh, necessarily. However, there's a there's a large reaction against school, mm. not by everybody, however, by enough people mm. to suggest that it doesn't work for everybody. Yep. And so now what, what I learned at school, my, the behavior I developed at school to get through school is my responsibility and it doesn't work for me now all the time. Mm. And yeah. I acknowledge that and I'm not, I'm not going to walk away from that. However, I also ask those that subjected me to that 
because that's how it feels to me mm-hmm. and I'm sure everyone has a different perspective that's mm-hmm. how it felt like I was subjected to it and you know what responsibility do they take or do they have for identifying what I needed or what I wanted or what I was interested in or where or better still where I could add the most value back to society mm-hmm. and I guess that's the, the most useful way of looking at it rather than making it personal how I feel and, and complaining it's like I I am not I still am not at 48 nearly 49 I still am not as valuable to my community as I could be mm. and it's not school's fault However, that system did not enable me, did not support me to become my highest value. Well, there's no, there's virtually no commitment to community. There's no, there's no commitment to love. Um, There's respect, but from a right and wrong perspective. Yeah. And I get that, you know, schools are, seem to be quite different now. I, I remember, you know, as a kid, there's no way that we, you know, you couldn't hug a teacher. Um, whereas my kids, they hug the teachers all the time. It is evolving. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm like, well, you know, you're more likely to get sued for for something, you know, than, than anything else. Um, whereas my, you know, my kids, they they hug the teachers all the time. In fact, my older one... Uh, really likes his younger brother's teacher, and I'll see him run up and give her a hug. <laughs> so, so it is very different now, and that—that's such a valuable thing for a kid to get that they're lovable, yeah. not just from their parents, but from society at large. Yeah. So that when they go to school, to be able to have, you know, that platonic love and and you know I, I guess the the english language really lacks the understanding of love and maybe it's just been absent from our world for too long because yeah. we only have one word for it whereas yeah. some cultures have got like you know 15 versions of love i think the greek culture has the most i'm not sure about that but mm. i think so you just reminded me of a really a really cool story with my son so um and it's a, you know it's, it's along the lines of what you're talking about he so his mum uh, still is a primary teacher specialising in children's literacy, mm-hmm. you know, and a real passion for that. And um, up until he was six, this kid was bonkers, mm-hmm. like really strong. For He's always been really strong for his age. And uh, like at, at 10 years of age, he was lifting me at 100 plus kilo oh, off yeah. the ground. Yeah. Um, really strong and really active. Mm-hmm. And so up until like up until six, he would run away and run on the, just run straight at the road, mm. straight at cars. Like it was mm. just no. I mean, that's normal for kids, but but he, he you know it wasn't like he was just accidentally falling off the footpath. He was running full tilt. It was just yeah. so. Reading was something where he would calm down. Okay. And so, she would because she had a passion for it. She would regularly just sit him on her lap and read to him. Mm. Um, being the primary carer, you know, yep. just to, to calm him down for that that yeah. time. And one day, uh, he might have been three, four, probably three, they were at the public library and there was either a librarian or even maybe an author. Anyway, someone was reading a book. And there's, you know, there's a group of however many kids all sitting there watching the reading. Mm. And Wells just gets up, walks over to the person reading and sits on their lap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it, there's so much in that about what we're talking about. It's like for him, that was when you're, when someone's reading, when an adult's reading, you don't sit in their lap, you know, yeah. and and 
you know, if if there wasn't that engagement in that room, he would have just been going berserk, probably leading a bunch of kids to destroy the place, you know? Yeah. So our like, our book collection um, is full of teeth marks. <laughs> <laughs> we never had a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, and then if I go further, and, you know, this goes for both my kids, however... Um, I I feel like I had more of a hands-on approach with him as he was growing up. He, um, you know, he, he went through th- very typical stages um, for kids now, like, you know, including the sort of electronics and, and mm. you know, close to addiction, whatever. And, you know, there was a lot going on. And, and I, I guess I looked at it all and I, and, I, and, I, and I went back to myself at those times as best I could mm. and thought, okay, what, you know, remembering it now what would I want Mm. and so I always treated him that way so um, you know I didn't turn off the internet I didn't put filters on his stuff I didn't tell him to turn it off or Mm. I didn't tell him to give it to me or now I'm not saying those things are wrong by the way Mm. because I don't no one knows Mm. the answer all I'm saying is I didn't do those things because I knew how I would have responded to that Mm. and I knew how I did respond to (laughs) attempts to control my behavior you know, I, I just attempted to smash through it. Mm. Now, it didn't mean he was going to do that, but I guess we tend to, you know, either do the same thing our parents do or react, don't we? Yeah. yeah so, it's either the same or the opposite. Yeah. In so, fact, most of our meta programs that, you know, are, are decisions that we make at some point in our childhood and, and then just running our life from that point on. Um, some of the, uh, some of the meta programs we're aware of is something like um, introvert, extrovert. Yeah. So, that's one of the meta programs that most people are aware of. Most of the meta programs, most people have absolutely no idea they even exist, but they run our life. And most of them are either one way or the other. Yeah. It's like a introvert versus extrovert. Like they're the they're opposite. And I'm glad you chose that uh, that yeah. one because that is such a lie. Well, anyone can be either. Like I, can, I'm labelled mm-hmm. an aggressive extrovert, mm-hmm. and then then labelled terrifying and all sorts of other things. And you know what? The truth is, I find some passive people extremely aggressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, passive aggressive, yeah. Well, I didn't even know what the term meant until a few years ago, and we had a staff member, and the behaviour was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And now adult tantrums, but we don't call them tantrums. Well, see, this wasn't tantrum. It was it was silence. It was it was that stub. You could you yeah. know there was stubbornness, but then all the other stuff that would go on, all the messages and all the tel- tel- just all the things that would happen. It was it was all. It seemed malicious to me. Now, it, I didn't feel a threat of my life, mm. but it just felt debasing and all sorts of other things. Yeah. And then someone was, when we were talking about it, someone was saying, oh, you're passive aggressive. Like, what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> you know, um, and I think, and my experience, because I'm that woke me up to some stuff. Mm. My experience has then been that there's this whole world of people who, lab, who label themselves or have accepted the label introvert. And then they use that as a weapon against people like me who have the label of extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not comfortable meeting new people. I'm not comfortable standing in front of a room of people. Mm-hmm. I just fucking do it. Yeah. I'm not yeah. comfortable with it. I do it. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I'm worried about what they think of me. Yeah. And I'm worried about what I'm going how I'm going to perform. Yeah. There's no freaking difference. Yeah. So, and and interestingly that would have had a, an impact on on our son too because, you know, and I, I don't know if it's good me saying he was bonkers. You know, I don't know, but he was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so look sorry I went off that little rant tantrum if you like but I just I find 
and and this is what I found when I was a teenager when I was growing up. I found, and I, and there were t- I remember certain incidents where I know the teachers were well-meaning. I really do, mm. and I kind of knew it then. However, I also knew that they had no fucking clue, mm. and were not attempting to engage. Yeah, and well, my types people that didn't know. And I got, there's no judgment. Yeah, it's just there was this expectation for me to conform. Mm. There was no attempt to engage with. Now, I then, I got into the cadet, well, we all did cadets at my school. Yep, and mine. Army cadets, right. Yep. And as it happened, I was apparently a natural leader. <laughs> yep. Another interesting yep. label. Um, and I got treated differently there. Yeah. Now I screwed up and rebelled and all the other things just as much. But it was weird. It was like, it was like it was more acceptable in that context than it was in school generally. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being a senior leader in cadets, but not a prefect because of my behavior. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so again, every, mm. I guess to bring all that back to something like where we started, every experience, there's no consistency. There's no integrity. So I'm left making it up. And I'm sure it's the same for all of us. And so we start to, we start to form opinions about everything. We start to form behaviors to counteract things or to deal with things or to manage things. So you, you said something that was interesting to me there. You said no consistency or no... What's the other bit? No... The I word, integrity. It was integrity. So, yeah, okay. so, so no... No, consi- no consistency. Or and what I mean by integrity yeah. is there's no, no, one, no one... There's no agreements that everybody is working to. The, well, so we are... But they're made up by us in our own head, and well, we but, think that everybody agrees with them. But no, but to me, an agreement is an agreement. It's where everybody implicitly, you know, explicitly says, "I agree to that." Sure, but that's not how we operate as human beings. We sure. we believe that everybody, like the way that we believe, the way that we think, and 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 our values and things are the right ones. Therefore, everybody else should have the same ones. Therefore. Everybody else should behave in a way that is in alignment with what we think they should be doing. And I got all that. It's mm. just fundamentally that didn't work for me. And mm. because I was an extrovert aggressive, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my attitude was to smash it, not, yeah. not, not quietly, re, you know, revolt yeah. or whatever the hell it is these passive aggressive people do. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so Luke has has, has just uh, slid himself into the into the studio here. Welcome, Luke. Hello, I've always been here. Slipping his <laughs> teeth. Didn't see me. <laughs> or hear you? No, I was, I was in listening mode. Yeah. yeah. So you got your good love cap on. My horseshoe, yeah. Cavaliers, I believe. Yeah. Okay. If you're in the NFL, but are they cavalier? Well, I'm assuming so. I'm assuming they're not. I don't really follow them. I just like the look of the hat. <laughs> and then someone pointed out, oh yeah, you go for this team. Go, oh yeah. Who's that? Yeah. My boys are about to tell you if it is or not. Is it? Yeah, well. They tell you. I don't know. They know more. Yeah. More than me. I've started learning about basketball since they're into it. I knew nothing about it. Yeah? So, yeah. I can, now, I can now start spinning a ball on my finger. Ooh. Harlem, yeah. Harlem Globe trotter style. Yeah. Hmm. So we're, talk, we're, we're talking about um, people like you, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> they went through school trying to destroy the system yeah I was, a, I was a bit like that I conformed and then deviated you did conform and just for a bit ah so you were like a double agent 
Oh, I, I suppose it just came to a point where it was easy to just not get in trouble and just get on with the work um, than it was. Easier? Um, yeah. Easier in what way? Probably easier on uh, what I felt at the time myself and obviously my parents as well. Mm-hmm. So how long did you conform for? Uh, well, I was a, I was like a grade A student from prep to grade four. I was the kid who used to mark off everyone else's work. Yeah, yeah. So I really like that structure and um, obviously the challenge of you know getting through work. Um, and then yeah, after grade four, I can't put my finger on it actually. Maybe it was just a teacher that wasn't very supportive in grade five. Um, you just grew. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it was so weird. We've, we've spoken it. about the um, the eight levels of human potential or spiral dynamics or yeah. whatever the other names for it. So, um, you know, most people are in that tribal space when they, you know, as, as kids and they become the rebellious teenager. Yeah. So it's normally that growth stage happens in, you know, in their teenage years, but it can okay. happen at any point. Yeah. And that was, for me, I'd just be saying that was your growth point. Yeah. Um, where you started to take responsibility for your world you want it to be different something you're not happy about something you, you want something else um, the challenge is that then everything becomes a fight and one of my kids went through it really early yeah um, you know he was he was five going on 15 and you know from the almost from the moment he could talk that he was he was very um, very much in in control of his, of his world but the challenge is that he gets older that everything then becomes a fight uh, it doesn't matter what mm. it is you know? So, do you think having, uh, for me as well, like supporters around you? I know when I've had good mentors and teachers that it's really either gotten the best out of me or, or not. It's critically important because the hardest thing is, I mean, for myself as as a parent who has a kid that's like that, and I'm like, he's still just a kid. Can we not just like why does everything have to be so hard? Like it's yeah. really challenging for me to stay in the space of being great with him and inspiring him when it's just like can you just sit down or can you just get in the car or whatever it yeah, is yeah. you know where um and i've asked you five times to so just get in the car can you just get in the car yeah, like yeah. seriously what is it going to take yeah um and that's really challenging now when you ask him what is it going to take what's his answer he doesn't have, really have an answer to that. Did you really ask know? him the question? Yeah, I've, I've really asked him questions like that. You know, I've sat him down. I go, hey, dude, what's you know, what's it going to take for this? Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to find a new way to support him. Like getting my kids ready in the morning is, you know, is is, is a challenge. Um, um, they don't have established patterns, and they're now seven and seven and eight, and they don't have established patterns about getting getting ready on time before messing about. Um, so, man, I'm nearly forty nine. I don't have established patterns like that. Sure, but. <laughs> Yeah, we learn it, then we unlearn it, and then we yeah. But there's no reason that they couldn't necessarily have established patterns like that. You know, some kids do. You know, yeah. have established patterns like that, and, that, and potentially for the rest of their life, they'll you know that that will be how they run their life because yeah. that's what this is about. It's like what yeah. what we do at school is that how we do life, and you're almost guaranteed to say yes. Now there are critical things in our life that can change everything that we do about life in an instant. We can just everything can switch, but it's really common for us how we do school is how we'll do the rest of our life. We might change certain things, or we might completely change our paradigm. Um, for yourself, Luke, as you said, you you know you were at school when you stepped into that you know kind of rebellious stage. Yeah. Um, and I guess the question would then be, excuse me, did you continue doing life kind of the same way? Yeah. Oh, I 
Yeah. In a nutshell, yeah, I think grade grade five. This is a bit of a counselling session for me, actually. I'm reflecting back, but grade five <laughs> had a yeah a teacher that wasn't a good supporter and was mm. somewhat against me, so I pushed back a bit bit harder. Um, grade six was much the same. If it's a counselling session, yeah. Then well, he's just wanting me to get through to no, high school. I mean, there's, a, a, there's a transition. No, but if it's it. a counselling yeah. session, right? At the moment, you're telling a story, which is fine. Yeah. Just do you want to hang on to that story, or do you want to do you want to start acknowledging that you have a, re- a recollection or a perception of what happened, which yeah. is not actually what happened? Potentially, could not, be both. Not potentially, it's fact. Yeah, it could be both. It's yeah. fact. Yeah. Because the teacher was sitting where they were sitting with everything they brought to the table. You were sitting yeah. where you were sitting with everything you brought to the table. Every other member of that class was sitting where they were sitting with everything they brought to the table. And everyone has a different perspective. Yeah. So there's not one story. Oh, look, if we, if we get into it, it was someone close to the teacher a few years later said that she fucking had it in for you. She hated you guys. And how did they know that? Because they were close to them and then had a falling out. So what you're saying is that a grade five teacher confided in a grade five student about oh, how they thought about you. Parent, yeah. Parent. Yeah. Okay. So... And I kind of felt that I was like, "Shit!" What if the parent really had it in for you? Me. What if the parent had it in for you and was making up a story? Maybe they did, but I, you I know, I'm pretty I, intuitive, and I was like, "Well, sometimes they've got no reason other than to, you know, bolster their own stance to talk, you know, ill about somebody." But I kind of felt it again, just because someone says it is doesn't mean it's true. But That's right. Just through their actions and the interaction, and it sort of bolstered it, whether it is or it is, yeah. You know, whether it was, it was just a challenging time yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. So, so th- this brings us to one of a skill that I really love, um, and it's it's creating people in how we listen to them. We, we listen to people from a place of whatever we believe that person is. Yeah, and we make that up really quickly when we first meet someone. Yeah. Mm. the first time we meet them, we make that up, and, and that's how they are. Yeah. If somebody else plants something on us, we likely that's how we're going to see them as well, and yet you can see kids show up differently in front of other people. So kids are, kids are a great example. You can see them, you know, different teachers, how they show up in, in the class. And you go, well, that, that kid's totally different this year. That's right, totally different teacher. Yeah. Okay, so the kid's now showing up differently. So they're, they're a great example of what we do as humans. But hang on, different teacher, you, you, different yeah. classmates. But you think back, right, as a teacher, and I'm, I'm in a space now where I'm, I'm in and around, and I, I mentor for kids, you know, like, so I'm, I'm a leader in, in some instances around kids of that age. And some of the stuff that that teacher did and said in front of the class to belittle me as a person was fucking, it was horrible. Mm. She'd, she'd say stuff that didn't even need to be said. Like what, oh, what, he ruined what? the family's dinner, you know. He put, I was on the phone to his mum the other week and guess what he did? I, was like, oh, I didn't even know. Fucking what? Yeah. He put tomato sauce in the tuna mornay, ruined the whole dinner for the whole family. How's what that kid did? Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, wow. You know, okay. Yeah. And so it just started that interaction of well, if that's the way you're gonna treat me, I'm just gonna push harder. Yeah, yeah. And it and it culminated and that's what it was. But moving into grade six, can't really remember. I just started hanging out with older kids because it was just easier. Younger kids didn't interest me. They're boring. Yeah. Uh, and then um, transitioned to high school, which again was more of a was somewhat a rebellious age. Um, year eight, year nine, I started to sort of knuckle down a bit shifted states again rebellious stage school didn't really gel with me except for um except for art and music uh went out to the workforce at 16 
worked, and then I went back to uni to um, study psychology and philosophy and art. <laughs> what the fuck? I just quit my jobs. Fuck this. I'm going back to uni. Who'll have me? And then went to a few interviews and ended up at a decent school. And they said, well, you've got scope. Like, you you, you know, you like sign writing. I go, yeah, here's all my art stuff. And they go, wow. I used to go in like hand letter stuff and they'd never seen anything like it. Were you so, a graffiti artist? No, no, no. Oh, a little bit of graffiti, but... Uh, Sign writing, hand lettering mm. with paintbrushes, yeah, like traditional sign writing. Mm. And um, so they really sort of embraced that. And that was a time of my life, two years. And it was a real struggle because I was living out of home, so I had to support myself on like what they called Oz Study back then, mm. work in a kitchen as a dish pig. And um, yeah, go to uni and people just going, what's he doing? Like, it's <laughs> such a weird age to just go back to school. But um, yeah, and I enjoyed the structure. It was weird. Philosophy was real weird. Like at the start, I was just like, like this is anything goes here mm. and it kind of probably about eight months in I was just like man this is gold like because anything goes mm. there's no right there's no wrong mm. you look over here you look over there it's just amazing so it opened up my world of uh, thought and thinking mm-hmm. um, yeah so and from there I think I've gone alright thus far <laughs> if that's what you mean but yes and I will revert back to warrior mode at any point in time but I understand that that's just something that uh, you know maybe my consciousness is pretty low at that time and my thinking takes over and that's all that is and I'll always come back to that well, natural place. Well, well, don't stress too much because it gets a lot lower than that. <laughs> yeah. And some people experience that. You know, I heard about someone recently um, and he's been doing a, a, a lot of work for um, for people in um, in hospitals and things, especially in the like, psych space. Yeah. And uh, then I discovered that that's where he's found himself and apparently he's in a really, really bad place, a really bad way. Um, so that's the survival stuff. So, you know, way, way beneath that, you know, you drop down to beneath the warrior is the, is the tribal where you become a victim. And then beneath the, the victim is the, uh, is the survival space. And, you know, if you end up in survival in modern day society, uh, my experience has been that it's going to be affecting you mentally, um, rather than actually like true survival. It, we were talking about it before, um, in last episode about being in Western society, the it's it's hard to die from lack of food and shelter yeah it's because we've we have so much of it provided um if you're homeless there are homeless shelters if you don't have any food there are you know there are food vans and things that get drive around so when somebody ends up in that space in in a western society uh in a survival mode uh it gets you know very messy mentally well they're in their heads yeah and that's that's a lot of the work that i you know, do around that is when thought takes over. Mm. Uh, we're no longer in control. Yeah. Yeah. The thought is. Uh, so yeah, it's a whole nother yeah. conversation. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Luke, for for sharing uh, your experience of uh, of school and and uh, and life and uh, and helping us shed some light on <laughs> a short whether, snapshot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what we do at uh, at school is what we do afterwards. Um, but my my uh, my message for today is always you know more love and that was you know experience with that teacher I've experienced the same thing with teachers yeah. you know I'd hand in my piece of work and I'd get a uh, I think I got a, um, a D or something and then one of my mates said oh I, I, I haven't done my homework can I copy yours I said yeah whatever let him copy it he handed in the exactly the same thing <laughs> word for word two weeks late not yeah. on time like mine was two weeks late he got a B minus and I got a D I'm like, what? I told my parents. Yeah, I got in trouble with my parents. (laughs) Okay, so uh, now 
I was the biggest teacher basher on the planet for a while. So that's the context here. And I'm now sitting here listening to you guys and your stories, mm. knowing that I, I, I still communicate with some people who went to the same primary school that I did high school. And each of us have a completely different perspective about the same teacher. Oh, totally. Yeah, so, but also that teacher would have responded, would have related I get to the kids. That. And that's what I was saying before I get about that. how we create people. No, I get that. Our, I get that. Thing. It's yeah. just, yeah, I just want to be super clear, though, that it, if we hang on to the way they are, because it's not the way they were, it's still the way they are, Yeah. then what we're hanging on to is what we created, not who they are. No. Well, it's not, it's not who we are either. It's, it's, you know, it's just a place and a time and that's what happened and everyone has different versions of events. And it's that's like, right. So to be clear, I'm not saying that the teacher didn't do X. The teacher did X. Yeah. It's just making it more than they did X, to me, is where it starts to become murky. That's all. Sure. <laughs> well, you can feel bad about it or you can just say, fuck it. It's what it was. I'll give, like, you, you, know, I'll give you a hard example. We had a, give him a hug. We had a, a love, mate. We had a teacher at primary school who was see, I don't know, yeah, skewed perceptions. She, it was like she was seventy, but she was probably mm. sixty. She was one hundred and forty, right? So she hadn't well, she hadn't reached retirement age, but she was clearly approaching mm. it. Mm. And her name was Mrs. Hard on her, and she was looking older. Her name was Mrs. Bedford. Now. Because no. Mrs. Alleged. No, no, no. no. Uh-uh. But I, I thought she was awesome. Yeah. So we'd get once a week, we'd go, I don't know if she was in English, I don't remember, but she was, whatever it was, we, we were doing poetry. So once a week we'd go out, we could sit anywhere we wanted within the school bounds and write poetry. Mm. And now, when she wanted to exert discipline, she'd pull people up and line them up, you know, and then she'd do this grandma little tap on your hand and you know, I remember one day it was like five of us and I don't remember what it was right? it was like one for you one for you one, and it was five and five for me so it hurts me more than it hurts so this is a grandma who has no idea how to exert discipline doing her best and clearly wanting to acknowledge that she doesn't want to do it mm. right that's my perception of this woman someone that I know well <laughs> believes she was this that and the other mm. how dare she you know, so, and and it, they are such different perceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Experiences all, right? all inside yeah. of yeah, yeah, all inside of our listening of, of people. Yeah, how we. Uh, yeah, and now I don't argue that what that what she did crosses some people's boundaries. Absolutely. However, and I was getting I was getting the ruler in grade one. Yeah, and I was getting the cane in high school, and and for me, most of those stories were hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the, the need a long one if you're really bad. We got a few in grade punches. one. Yeah. Punches. Yeah, punches. They need yeah. weapons, mate. Nah, good good no private weapons. school have yeah, weapons. Nah. <laughs> no, not against teachers. <laughs> no, I'm saying the teachers have weapons. Yeah, well, they used yeah. to. But we had a strap in primary, then a cane in yeah. high. We resorted, yeah, fists it was. Yeah, a couple of times. We had a few fisty cuffs with some teachers. Pushed right. them pretty hard. We, yeah, we weren't the greatest uh, individuals. I, can, I, I think reckon I wouldn't have minded fun. your school. Oh, yeah. No, it's the parents you got to worry about. Best mate's parent. Mum was um, going out with the... Secretary of the Hell's Angels. I thought, mate, you've just you've completely ruined your life. Mate. The Hell's Angels have said his mum hmm. goes out with the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels have a secretary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Was, yeah, Sergeant in Arms or something. Yeah, like it was, yeah. it was a big wig and he's just horrified. Turned white and said, oh, I'm extremely sorry. He said, well, it's not going to matter now, mate. Because <laughs> you're in deep shit. Mm. You have to worry about it. It's his mum you got to worry about because she'll go, yeah? She was rocket pocket, she pocket rocket, mate. Mm-hmm. Get to the school. Where is he? Come on, if he wants to punch, I'll punch him. If he wants to punch <laughs> a hit. You know, what does he say? Punch a woman. <laughs> completely out of control. Um, Sounds like a ball, mate. Oh, it's a great time of life. I'm not like that now, but I was like that then. Yeah, and there is kids that I really thrived. yeah push, 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 and there's no reason or rhyme to uh, to to hit kids, especially when like this bike was ten times the size of anyone. Mm. Um, again, it's well, just, it's bullying. It is, yeah. And, I mean, it, just people have that experience. They build up a big volcano. There's no outlet, and you know someone gets it, and that's what it was. And you know, he has to live with that for the rest of his life and whoever else he, you know, affected. But, yeah, look, as on I a said, positive note... So, uh, as, I, as I said, more love. Yeah. <laughs> more love. We yeah, need more right. love. Well, hang on. There's some people who express their love through BDSM. Is that the same thing? Okay, so, so we, we, we're potentially opening up an entire conversation. Let's, let's, let's not nice open up another somebody. conversation right now. Another can of accessories. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's end up this... Wind Stick up this, to the uh, this, uh, this episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... So you have a you opened the the conversation here. Um, I've said mine. Just more love. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to say, Al? You opened it. Um. It sounds like a can of worms. Yeah. All right, thank you all very much <laughs> for coming along to this episode. I, I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and uh, we look forward to seeing you, seeing you on the next one. Thank you. <laughs> this has been Ross Pepper. Alistair McDonald and Luke Farrar for the Ross L and Luke show. If you wish to get in contact with us regarding the show, please reach out to us via email on rosslluke at gmail.com. To discover more about myself, Ross Pepper, please visit my website, rosspepper.com. To check out L and discover what he can do for your team, please visit his website, alistairmcdonald.com.au. And if you're ready for an awesome sign for your business, be sure to visit Luke at lfsigns.com.au. You have been listening to the Ross Allen Luke Show. Thanks for listening and have a spectacular day.